0: Welcome to Connections, I'm Colleen Hood. Money has become a hot topic lately. In fact, despite a global pandemic, 90% of couples experience some level of tension around money and finances. So many books out there try to fix the surface problems, such as how to budget and what to prioritize when it comes to finances. But the issues go much deeper than just a simple spreadsheet. Today we're joined by Shanti Feldhahn. She is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and nationally renowned social researcher, She recently put a book together with her husband, Jeff, called Thriving in Love and Money. Today on Connections, she'll help us to get to the heart of these issues and help couples deepen their understanding of each other, leading to clear communication, peace as a couple and better financial decision making. Today, we're joined by Shanti Feldhan. She is a best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a nationally renowned social researcher. And recently, she put a book together with her husband, Jeff, called Thriving in Love and Money. First of all, Shanti, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your husband, and about what you guys do?
1: So we actually did not start out intending to become relationship researchers. <laughs> <laughs> no, normally, those are psychologists or marriage therapists, Um And that is not us at all. We actually started out as analysts. I was an analyst on Wall Street, just as an attorney. We met at Harvard for graduate school and um, ended up having this real right-hand turn and now using that analytical background in a completely different way to help people um, identify and sort of change and improve the things that are most likely to make a big change in their lives or relationships.
0: Now, one of those research projects that was proposed to you was to research money and relationships, and it came with a bonus of being fully funded. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, my gosh, this was crazy. We had been um, so aware that our business model that we had had for 15 years, Um, was really in difficulty. We do these, I probably should explain, it's a very expensive process to do good research and to try to get good rigorous data that's really going to help people. And it costs a lot of money. And our business model was based on sort of a previous way the publishing industry did things that didn't exist anymore. And the beginning of 2017, we were very concerned. (laughs) Like, I don't know how we're going to pay for this kind of research. And I don't really even know you know, what topic we're supposed to do next? And we've been praying about this. And um, out of the blue got a call from Sysense Financial, which we had never heard of the company, but it's an amazing company that um, is very sort of missional, trying to help people. And they said, look, we, we know that money is a big issue in marriage. We don't think it has to be. Um, we're starting an initiative to deal with this. How would you feel about making this your, your next research project? Because money is such a huge issue in marriage. And how would you feel about us funding the research? <laughs> I mean, it was such a miraculous situation. And honestly, if I could just be candid, this took us three years. Two years ago, we picked the release date for this book to be in March of 2020. We had no idea that there were suddenly going to be millions of people stuck at home, and worrying about money
0: Now, shanti how can a book like this help couples right now that are dealing with a situation similar to that
1: yeah well so many millions um, of us including us me and Jeff um, are really in a, an uncharted waters when it comes to loss of income and loss of jobs and you know huge numbers Jeff Jeff and I are guinea pig number one in this as well I mean we've we're public speakers. <laughs> You know there aren't any events anytime soon. All of our stuff is canceled, and so um, it really is that you know when you've lost or maybe finding uncertain whether you might lose um, big chunks of your income, it can be an anxious thing. Now, us personally, as people of faith, we've all we've seen even in the last few weeks just amazing ways God has provided. But it's still a very new, um, new road to walk. And one of the things that we are realizing is that the old way that most husbands and wives handled money conversations in the past don't work anymore. Because in a time of somewhat prosperity-ish, you can kind of get by with sort of avoiding it. <laughs> you can say, you know, I'm going to do my thing over here. You do your thing over there. We kind of get by. Well, we can't do that anymore. We actually have to come together together around money, and that is hard for many of us. It certainly was something that Jeff and I were never really on the same page about. We avoided those conversations. There was a lot of defensiveness and tension uh, before we had done this research project. And so the very first thing that you have to know, if you are going to have a great relationship around this topic, now that you have to, the starting point is learning how to talk about money. And um, we've seen that statistically, by the way. And this, in order to talk about money, you have to be able to understand what is going on underneath the surface in your spouse and in yourself.
0: When we go to talk to a spouse about finances for the first time, there tends to be a lot of tension when this happens. How can we avoid this?
1: Well, it's really a matter. OK, so the most important thing that we found really as a starting point, and this is going to sound completely crazy, is really to understand yourself first. And realize when you're having, when you're feeling tense about money or you're having tension with your partner, it's not about the money. It's about how money makes you feel and it's how it makes your spouse feel. There's a host of these expectations and beliefs and worries and fears and sort of feelings about how money should work. There's all this stuff running underneath the surface. And we don't necessarily understand why we get irritated or why we get defensive. So that's the first step. I, I recognize now this started in a different era, you know, financially before the pandemic and everything. But just as a, a previous example, I realized I had no idea why, if I called Jeff on the way home from some meetings and I said, hey, let's get Chinese takeouts. Um, and, you know, for dinner, and he goes, ah, oh, you know, we've got some chicken in the fridge. That's going to be a lot less expensive. Why don't I just grill that instead? Why did that bug me? <laughs> like, why would I get irritated that he didn't want me to get takeout? And conversely, why did he get irritated that I would call and ask that question? And I would not have been able to tell you. And that is the first step. Is Digging into what these feelings are, that's what this entire research project and the entire book was about, is helping us start down the road. We found five factors, five different patterns that are running under the surface that tend to affect most of us, and it's understanding how it affects you first, and then you can explain it to your partner and understand your partner, and suddenly you have a lot more empathy for each other.
0: How do we get to that point and how do we respect that? I find it's one of the
1: most difficult things to do. It is. And it's even more difficult with all the economic impacts of the pandemic. Yes. (laughs) Because now it's like it's gotten really urgent and yet there's still these issues. Well, one of the things that's going on, I'll just tell you one of the five, for example. One of the things that we found is, is usually... One of the main causes for the friction, the kind of the day-to-day little frictiony kind of stuff that happens, is that we don't realize we're not valuing what the other person values. We, we kind of don't recognize that the other person has something else that really matters to them, that they care about, and we tend not to see it. This is going to sound horrible, but I'm going to say it anyway. Subconsciously, we tend not to see it as legitimate. <laughs> we tend, we tend to think, well, we're just right. Of course, this is just the right way of doing it. And and the other person there, for my extension, is kind of wrong. Like Jeff, you know, he's more like you. You know, he's the saver. I'm more the spender in the relationship. And he he told me once we got into the research, he said, I have to confess, I kind of just thought you had a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's an example of how this plays out today. So we th- think of the normal kind of spender saver kind of dichotomy, right? That gap. Not everybody has that, but it's it's very common because even amongst two savers, somebody is usually more of a spender than the other. And one of the things that comes up constantly is right now all the savers are feeling very vindicated. <laughs> They're they're all feeling like this is the reason that we should have been saving for a time like this. And, And Jeff has told me that he actually in the first sort of number of weeks of the pandemic and the economic shutdown and all the stuff that was going on with our income going away, he said that one of the things that he had to wrestle with was a little bit of resentment. Kind of like, look, if we hadn't gone out to eat all those times last year, if we hadn't gone to Disney World on a vacation with the kids, we would have thousands of more dollars in our bank account right now, which we could really use, (laughs) given what's happened. And he came to me, you know, a few days later, and he said, you know what I just realized? We're stuck at home in a pandemic on top of each other as a family, and we like each other. And one of the reasons we like each other is that we've been building these relationships amongst the family, with our kids, and with each other, through some of those activities that we did, through those moments that we had together and the memories that we made and the way that it got, you know, drew us closer as a family. And and so the way he put it is he said, I think as a saver, I had been thinking that there were only costs to the spending. And there are benefits too. It's not a pure cost. There's something that you're investing in and getting from it. And that's a little microcosm of both people have something legitimate. About their wants and their needs and what they're valuing in saving or spending. Now, this is going to be different and it's totally off topic. If, for example, you know somebody is such a spender that they're like they have a gambling addiction. We we can't get into that here. That's beyond the scope of what we studied, for example. But in general, many of us have something that matters to us. It's legitimate, and the key to understanding one another. Even if you disagree with the choices that the other person's making or think that you don't understand why it would matter, use it as an opportunity to ask and find out what matters. Honor the other person in that you're going to have a lot better conversation. And then the thing that comes from that conversation and understanding each other is suddenly you're so much more on the same page. You can actually come together and make decisions without that defensiveness. It works really well.
0: To get to this point, you actually have to bring it up. You actually have to sit there and talk. And for a lot of people, that means there's going to uh, be an argument or there's going to be, I don't want to talk about it. Um, Yes. Why is it so important to take that risk and to get to that point of speaking about it?
1: Well, candidly, the question is whether you want a great marriage or not. (laughs) And certainly today, the question is whether you want to be able to sort of come up with joint plans about money. Again, this is a moment where before we could kind of get by and not have to come together around money. Because when there's plenty of money coming in, it's a lot easier to kind of do your own thing. I think this is a moment where we're sort of being forced to have to talk about money and are going to realize, you know what, I don't want to get by anymore. Like, I, I realize we're so much closer. There's so much more intimacy in our relationship. There's so much more of a unity and a togetherness when we have to talk about this, even if we didn't want to at first. And I think a lot of us find, and this is certainly the case with me and Jeff, because we're, like I said, we're kind of guinea pig number one about this. We never wanted to talk about it. And yet it was putting us in a position of it was not not sort of us. It was you and me you're over there, I'm over here, your money is over there, and your paycheck goes into your account, my paycheck goes into my account. It wasn't our money. And I think that that's where we need to move, As especially in marriage. That's what marriage is designed for. It's no longer you and me. It's we. It's us. And that's what we're supposed to be going for. Money has been an obstacle to that for a lot of us. And this is, I think, a chance to turn it into an opportunity to grow closer.
0: What role does faith play in all of this?
1: Well, one of the key things actually is to follow up on what I was just saying is that it's interesting to kind of recognize as scary as it is to think about when God talks about the two shall become one, that he's designed marriage for us not to be you and me anymore, but to be we, like there's something supernatural that happens that we have to sort of acknowledge this is what God does in marriage, and we've been kind of pushing back against that. At least many of us have. Um, you know, again, the concept of your paycheck goes in your account, my paycheck five goes in my account. We share some things for convenience, but we kind of are living two different sort of financial lives. And, and listen, some of you thinking, you know, listening to this go, well, I'm, I don't do that. I'm not trying to resist sort of being together and being one in marriage. You know, we, we have the same account. We have joint accounts. And, and maybe that's true. You know, maybe you do. Maybe you, you, you do feel like you're trying to really be one together. But okay, ask yourself instead, do you ever try to pull the Amazon package off the front step before your spouse sees it? Like, that's the exact same trying to institutionalize doing your own thing and wanting to kind of do things the way you want to want, the way you want to do them that causes other people to separate their accounts entirely. And from a faith perspective, the starting point that God has for us is that he'll honor it when we take that kind of courageous step, because it can be scary, of opening ourselves up completely and really trusting that that God will work in this and bring us together. And that in the end, what Jeff and I have found is that as scary as it is to kind of give up full control, recognizing that is what marriage is it of course it's giving up full control you're no longer your own right you're you're tied to and supposed to be one with this other person and god really blesses that
0: shanti for people who want to learn more about you or who want to pick up your book how do they go about doing that
1: well probably the starting point i would love to suggest is we actually have a website thriveinloveandmoney.com And there's a free assessment there that we, it's a very robust assessment. It'll take five minutes to do It's very quick, but it really gets at where are you starting in love and money? Sort of what are the things you're already doing great that you already have strengths in because knowing that will help you do them more and more purposefully. But also what are the areas that are kind of red flags? Where do you need to work? And what do you most need to work on? So I would really suggest going to thriveandloveandmoney.com and taking the free assessment. And then, if you're interested in the book, let me tell you, um, there is a process with the book that will really help people. Because we, what we have found is that if you go through the book with a pen in hand and you read it about yourself, and say, "Oh wow, you know this is really me," and you highlight the stuff that's you and you mark up the stuff that's not really you, and This is what I've always been wanting to tell you. It's amazing how much of a sort of insight it gives you in yourself. And then your spouse reads it, and they get insight into you too. And you do the same thing with them, and you're getting a personalized tour into each other's heart and mind. It works really well.
0: Any parting words for people out there still uh, as we deal with this pandemic and they're just... Lost, they're confused when it comes to the relationship and money. What are your parting words?
1: Okay, here's the big encouragement. You ready? Is that if Jeff and I can do this, you can do this <laughs> because we were so not money people. And, and by the way, just as an encouragement, everybody who's not a money person kind of feels like they're the only ones, they kind of feel bad. And we found 77% of couples can't really talk about money well. 77%. That's a big number. Um, so you're not alone. It's just that in this moment, this is when we have to. And let's use this then. If we have to, we might as well use it as an opportunity to really grow closer. And suddenly money becomes an opportunity. Instead of an opportunity for conflict, it's an opportunity for connection.
0: Thank you, Shanti, for joining us today. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's
1: website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.